spending time with family, hopefully getting out to a lake somewhere, cooling down. So thankful to the Lord for sending the, the rains this past week once more. He has been faithful, answering our prayers, and so we're so thankful for that as well. I've uh, got a number of announcements to get through this morning, so I'll just dive right into those. Uh, first, I would like to uh, bid a very fond farewell to Roy and Marilyn Arnett. Uh, they are moving to Niverville, or actually have just moved to Niverville, Manitoba, and so we are going to miss you greatly in our, in our church family here, uh, and we wish you God's blessing, Roy and Marilyn, as well as uh, Sarah and, and Taylor, who are, who are moving uh, or have moved already as well. Uh, Taylor, of course, uh, wedding's upcoming, and so we're, we're looking forward to that as well. But uh, we wish you very well, a fond farewell, and uh, we hope for the day ahead where maybe down the road we can bid you a proper farewell uh, in person. But uh, we, until then, uh, wish you God's blessing, and uh, we know that we'll hopefully be seeing you here again in person as restrictions allow in the future to do it in person. But until then, uh, yeah, we wish you God's blessing. Uh, the second announcement is uh, regarding, again, TMBC family camps. Uh, they are taking place uh, at camp, and you can make use of that beautiful new facility there. Uh, so you can sign up for July 30th to August 2nd, as well as August 9th to the 13th. Those are the two upcoming family camps. And if you can't make it for the whole period, you can also just sign up for a day, go enjoy the waterfront, some skills, activities, the zip line, and again, uh, check out that beautiful new facility that is now uh, in use at camp. Uh, the second announcement for TNBC is that their day camp program is being brought here to Clarney on August 2nd to the 6th. That's a Monday to Friday for ages 7 to 11. They were hoping that uh, restrictions would open enough to allow them to have one group of 50. They were going to be hosting that at the Lakeview Community Church. However, restrictions only lifted for them to have groups of 25. And so they have requested to have another group in our church for that week, in our facility here, and use our grounds. And so we've given them permission to do that. So now they are going to have two uh, programs running uh, the same week, one at Lakeview, one here at our church. And they're still looking for a few more volunteers to help out with the children. So if you feel like that's something you want to be involved in serving that way, uh, please give Howard and Kathy or Chelsea uh, Zilstra a call and uh, you can find that info at tmbc.ca and uh, volunteer. One Hope uh, is also having a fundraising drive-in concert featuring the country music band Prairie Joe on Tuesday, August 10th uh, at 7 o'clock at the Shamrock Center parking lot. And the final announcement is that we are looking ahead to uh, Lord willing resuming our Sunday school program uh, for this fall season upcoming. And so Sunday school teachers will be needed for that. So please contact our Sunday school superintendents, uh, Janice Neufeldt or Angela Graham, uh, if you are able to serve in that capacity. So Sunday school teachers needed for the fall. As always, our tithes and offerings, uh, you can give uh, two different ways. You can put a check in the mail, uh, postmarked box 969, Clarny, Manitoba, R0K1G0, or you can come in person and leave a check or a cash offering in the offering box located here in the church foyer. Our call to worship for our service today is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which tells us, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. Would you bow with me, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts once more for all of your blessings. We thank you, first of all, for the great blessing of salvation, for your mercy and grace shown to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. We thank you as well, Lord, for your daily blessings and your faithfulness, which is new every morning. We thank you for your answers of prayer in sending rain this past week once again. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you are nourishing the, the crops and the gardens. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for undertaking for our needs in this way. And so we continue to ask your blessing, Lord, upon uh, the crops, the gardens, and everything that only you can cause to grow and to bring the yield. And so we pray for that. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for this. We pray for continued rains uh, as needed in the days ahead as well and know that you will, you will answer accordingly. We thank you, Lord, for continuing to undertake for our needs day by day. And so, Father, we, we pray a special blessing uh, for the Arnott family as they have moved now to Niverville. We pray, Lord, that you would just make their way uh, straight before them, bless them where they are with uh, a new community, Lord, uh, that they can get acquainted with, make friends with, and we pray most of all that they will find a good church family, uh, uh, fellow believers who they can share the faith with there in their new community. So bless them with that and make them a blessing there as well, we pray. We thank you for the blessing they've been to our church family all these years, and we, we know that they will continue to be a blessing uh, wherever they are in the future. We pray as well, Lord, for... Uh, Taylor and Macaulay as they prepare for their upcoming wedding. And we pray as well, Lord, for all those in our church family around us who have been married in this past year. Uh, and so we pray, Father, our special blessing upon them. We thank you, Lord, for undertaking for our needs uh, during the extra challenges of this year. And so we pray, Lord, for continued patience as we still uh, have restrictions to deal with. We pray that you would grant us uh, patient spirits, Lord. We pray as well, Lord, that you would be with our leaders as they continue to make decisions that affect us, guide them. May they seek wisdom from you. We pray, Father, for those who are struggling with financial issues, those who are struggling with depression, despair, anxiety. We ask that you would be near to them today. We pray that you would be near to those in Bayside and all those in care homes, Lord, who are struggling with loneliness as having so many uh, barriers towards being able to visit with their loved ones. And so we pray undertake for them, Lord, and we pray that they would feel a touch of your presence today. We pray, Lord, for your continued blessing for this church family, for our physical needs. Lord, for uh, gifts and tithes as they are given, Lord, we know that you will uh, prompt cheerful hearts to give according to the need and according to each one's uh, what they've purposed in their heart. So bless those gifts, Lord, as they're given uh, throughout the week and multiply it, Lord, to the ministry of this, your church. We pray for Turtle Mountain Bible Camp and we pray, Lord, for you to send workers into that harvest field and even those listening today who may feel prompted to be involved in the day camp upcoming. Uh, please, Lord, give a willing spirit and know that you will add your blessing to a wonderful week. Uh, of ministry and so we pray your blessing on that and that boys and girls would sign up and that uh, they would be blessed and touched by the gospel by your love and that many would respond to it in faith and so we ask for that and now I would invite all God's people to pray along with me the Lord's Prayer 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I now invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to our scripture reading for today, which should be very familiar to you if you've been following along in the past number of weeks. You may even have it memorized by now, because we are going to read once more Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So far the reading of God's word. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the incredible truths buried uh, within every single word and, and line of these two verses. And as, as we now focus on the last line, Lord, about being able to test and approve your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will, we pray that you would open this word, speak through me, your servant, give us understanding, and may we follow accordingly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we have come to Romans part 30. We've hit the big 3-0 entitled Testing and Approving the Will of God. A missionary named F.E. Marsh once said, The will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Let me say that one more time. The will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then I'm sure you would agree with his statement, as it is of the utmost importance for the follower of Jesus that we know the will of God, live the will of God, and refuse to settle for anything less. But if you have lived the Christian life for any amount of time whatsoever, then you already know that this is much, much easier said than done. There's a story told that one day a man named Dwight Morrow and his wife were in Rugby, England. And after wandering through the streets for some time, they realized that they had lost their way. At this moment, an incident occurred that entered into Morrow's philosophy and became a guiding principle throughout his life. He stopped a local lad of about 12 years of age and he asked him, Could you tell us the way to the station? Well, the boy replied, scratching his head, you go straight ahead and then turn left uh, right there by the grocer shop and then go straight and then take the second street to the left and that will bring you to a place where four streets meet and then, well, sir, then, well, you had better ask someone else again. Now, so it is with us and God because in a similar way, God often reveals his personal will for us just enough for the next turn or two, but rarely more and sometimes less. It is a common experience that at some point in most every Christian's journey through life, 
that they will reach a point where even the next turn is hidden from view and somewhat of a mystery. At these points, God's will can often seem extremely mysterious and even unknowable. And we just wish that he would just hurry up and reveal it to us already. Have you ever felt that way before, where you just wanted God to show you what his will was right then? Perhaps some of you are right in such a place this very moment. So then we ask the question, how can we know the will of God? Well, God's word makes it abundantly clear that though his will can often seem unclear or mysterious to us, God actually desires to reveal his will to us and has made a way for us to not only know his will, but to have it revealed to us, tested and approved, so that we can know it, do it, and settle for nothing less. But before we go further, it is important to understand that there are three distinct types of God's will talked about in Scripture. Three distinct types of God's will. And it's very helpful if we know which one of the types is being referred to when we are reading about or talking about God's will. So the first type of God's will referred to in Scripture is this, the sovereign will of God. The first is the sovereign will of God. In this sense, God's sovereign will is something that will always happen no matter what. So when he declares that something is going to happen, according to his sovereign will, it simply will happen. For instance, this world and the entire universe came into being at his command and nothing and no one could stop it. Likewise, it was God's sovereign will that Jesus, as the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world, it was his sovereign will that he would die upon the cross for the sins of that world and nothing and no one could stop it. Likewise, it is God's sovereign will that Jesus will one day return to earth when he will judge the wicked and he will establish God's kingdom upon earth and nothing and no one can stop it. These things are according to his sovereign will. They are simply unalterable. They will come to pass. This is God's sovereign will. The second type of will talked about in scripture is God's prescriptive will. God's prescriptive will. This second aspect of God's will is what he instructs his people to do. Now, the best example of this would be the Ten Commandments. It's, it's ten laws that are a prescription for how life works best according to God's holy law and decrees. So this is his prescription for us. There are other verses that also clearly state what God's prescriptive will is. I'll give you a couple of examples. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 clearly states, For it is God's will that you should be holy and that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So here explicitly states God's will. Another one is later in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where it again explicitly states, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So again, we don't have to wonder what God's will is. He, his will is, is that we would be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't get more crystal clear than that. This is God's prescriptive will for us. However, God also allows people a choice 
as to whether or not to obey his will as he prescribes it. The first clear instance of God's prescriptive will was his command to Adam and Eve. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you do, you will die. So here, God's will was that he did not want them to eat of the tree, and he did not want them to die. However, we know that they chose to disobey the prescriptive will of God, which was given for their benefit, and so they defied God's will and suffered the consequences as a result, and yes, Adam and Eve did die. A direct extension of this is that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we are told, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So again, we see that though it is not God's will, he is not willing that any should perish. So this is not his will. And it is his will that all should come to repentance and be saved. We know the grim reality that there are many who will not repent. There are many who will perish in their sin and so be condemned to the lake of fire for all eternity. And we ask the question, why? Why? It is because God has allowed mankind free will with which they can choose to defy his prescriptive will and so suffer the consequences accordingly. So unlike God's sovereign will that simply cannot be stopped or altered, God's prescriptive will does not always come to pass because we can thwart it as mankind, we can thwart it by our disobedience. And in this way, God's prescriptive will is not a mystery at all because he has already revealed it plainly to us in his word exactly what his will is of how he wants us to live our lives and to live in faith uh, under him and in his grace. So if we want to be in God's will as prescribed, then it all hinges upon our obedience to his word and following it. And so now the third type of will referred to in Scripture, and this is God's personal will. The first was God's sovereign will, the second was God's prescriptive will, and now we come to God's personal will. Now, this is God's unique plan for each individual. And this is what we most often think of when we hear or talk about God's will. We think about it in personal terms. A USA Today survey once asked the question, if you, could go, if you could ask God just one question, what would it be? And 80% of all Americans surveyed in this survey said they wanted to ask God this question. What is your will and purpose for my life? So everyone wants to know this. What is your will and purpose for my life? Now, this personal will of God for the individual is what is being referred to in Psalm 139, verse 16, where David wrote, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, I want you to notice that David says, All the days ordained for me. Me. This is personal to David. He's not talking about the person next to him. He's not talking about Israel here as a nation. He is talking about himself personally. And he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Very personal. And so just as David recognized that God had a personalized plan for his life, so too God has a personalized plan for my life and for yours. 
And, and he has this plan and all the days ordained for each one of our lives written down in his book long before we even came to be. And so in this way, we can know that God has a personalized plan and will for each one of his children. And so, of course, we want to know, what is it? What is it? So how can we know? Well, let's read again our now very familiar passage from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here we are told plainly that there is in fact a way that we can test and approve what God's will is. And if you've been paying any attention over the past two sermons in this series, then you actually already know what that way is. Because Paul says that this end result is what will happen if we have been doing the four things that Paul listed earlier at the beginning of verses 1 and 2. So I'll just recap. We just read them. Those four things are as follows. Number one, you have received and are responding to God's mercy. So he says, again, in view of God's mercy. So this means that we've received his mercy, we're responding to his mercy. In other words, the very first thing about the will of God is he wants us to receive his mercy and respond to it. So that's number one. Number two is that response. You have offered yourself to God as a living sacrifice. So this is the second part about coming to the place of knowing God's personal will for you, is that having received his mercy, you now willingly, as a reasonable response for what he's done for you, you give yourself as a living sacrifice to him entirely, giving yourself back to him in lifelong service, whatever that happens to be, whatever God's will is. It's a blank check. You've signed the bottom and God will fill in the amount later. The third thing, Paul says is that you are no longer to conform to the world's pattern. So you've responded to God's mercy. You've offered yourself as a living sacrifice. You recognize this world is, has a mold, it has a pattern, and it's trying to press you into it because it's under the control and influence of Satan. And so you're not unaware of the devil's schemes. You're putting on the armor of God. You're resisting being pushed into the world's mold. You are no longer conforming. So that's the negative command, but now the fourth thing is the positive command. You are now actively being transformed by the renewing of your minds. So that means we're no longer feeding our minds with the garbage of the world. We are now focusing on feeding our minds with the high-quality nutrients of God's daily bread, the Word, meditating on it, memorizing it, spending time in prayer with the Lord, communing in the Spirit, time in Christian fellowship, communing with brothers, uh, spending time in worship, singing praise to the Lord, spending time in creation, just soaking in God's beauty. All of these things are what will renew our minds. And so, out of the outcome of these four things, the Apostle Paul then says, it is then, and only then, that we are able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
So let's take a closer look then at the testing and approving of God's will. The first thing I will tell you of it is there are no shortcuts. Now, this phrase, test and approve, in the Greek means to test, examine, discern, or prove. It is the exact same phrase that was used by Jesus in Luke chapter 14, verse 19, where the man in his parable was making an excuse as to why he couldn't come to a wedding feast, and he says this, I have bought five yokes of oxen, and I'm going out to test them. And so it's that word to test them is the exact same Greek phrase used test and approve the will of God. So just as there was a process by which this man would be going out to test and approve his team of oxen as being strong and reliable, there is also a process to test and approve what God's will is. And in the same way, there are no shortcuts in this process. Now, the reason I highlight this is because most people want a shortcut to the end result of knowing God's will without having to do any of the first four steps we just examined. But the reality is there are no shortcuts with God. You see, all too often what happens is we've been largely neglecting our relationship with God. But then... We come up to a fork in the road of life where there's a really big decision looming before us. And even though we've been ignoring our relationship with God, we then come to this fork in the road and we still expect God to tell us exactly what to do anyways. And so then we ask God the big questions like, Lord, is this the girl I'm supposed to marry? Do I need to break up with my boyfriend? Should I take the job? Do I move or do I stay? What career path should I take? Do I sell the farm? Should I retire? Or what college should I attend? These are the sorts of big questions that we ask God at these big forks in the road of our life. But you see, if we haven't been doing any of those first four things or just neglecting them, we shouldn't be surprised if God doesn't just immediately reveal the answer. As Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, our call to worship tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Now, you see, if we truly desire God to direct our steps, especially when we come to those big forks in the road where big decisions loom one way or the other, then we must first do what it says at the beginning of this passage. We must first fully trust him with all our heart, full trust in him. Second, we must rely fully on his understanding and not our own. And then third, we must acknowledge him in every aspect of our lives, every aspect, holding nothing back. And this means that simply we cannot neglect our relationship with God and then expect him to reveal his personal will to us or direct our steps the very moment we ask. So let me just say that right here, this could be the whole message for some of you listening today. Because if this describes you in any way, if you recognize right now that you've just been flat out neglecting your relationship with God, but you still want his direction in your life, then right now, just stop. And maybe you don't even have to listen to the rest of the message. Just stop and pray about this one thing. 
that it's time to start back at the beginning and start addressing your personal relationship with God and doing the first four things that are prescribed by Paul before we expect to know the will of God. Stop trying to take shortcuts. Shortcuts. Go back to the beginning and, and just spend time renewing that heart relationship one-on-one with you and the Lord. Now, no shortcuts. That's number one. Secondly, we must not impose our own will upon God. You see, we can make the challenge of discovering God's personal will even harder when we already have our own idea of what we think the right answer is before we ask. Now here, Captain Obvious would tell you that Paul says we can test and approve what God's will is, not what my will is. Right? We're not out to test what my will is, we're out to test what God's will is. There's a story told of an old Scottish woman who went from home to home across the countryside selling thread, buttons, and shoestrings. And what she would do is when she came to an unmarked crossroad, she would stop and she would pray for God's direction, and then she would toss a stick into the air and go in whatever direction the stick pointed to when it landed. So if the turn was to the right or to the left, she'd throw a stick in the air in whichever way it happened to be pointing towards, that is the way she would turn. One day, however, she was seen standing at a crossroads, tossing the stick up into the air several times in a row. And someone who happened to be walking past asked her, why do you keep tossing the stick up into the air more than once? Because, replied the woman, the stick keeps pointing to the left, and I want to take the road to the right. And she then dutifully kept throwing the stick up into the air, until it finally pointed the way that she wanted to go. Now you see, in the same way, if you have already decided what you think is the right answer and what to do, and then you are only coming to God so that he can basically approve your decision that you've already made, you're not truly seeking his will. You have to come to him with an open mind and heart, because his answer may not be the one that you expect. Yes, you may have something in mind, And you may have something that you even think is best according to your way of thinking. It may be the thing that you want to happen. And you know what? That's normal. All of us have those tendencies. So the important thing is we must acknowledge our own biases towards a certain decision or outcome. And then we must be careful to think through why we feel more drawn to one particular uh, uh, option than another. And so then when we go to prayer, having acknowledged our own bias or the way that we are most likely to go, we must acknowledge that as well to the Lord in prayer. And so be careful as to not mistake our own thoughts, desires, emotions, and plans for God's voice and leading. Because if you really want to know what God's will is for you personally, then be prepared that sometimes his answer and his will can be much, much different than what you thought or expected. And here I'll just throw in without sharing much more that when I was praying as a, as a teenager, God, you want me to be a pilot, right? And I wouldn't really wait around for his answer, but I always filled in the blanks in my own, with my own desires. Yep, that's what he wants. Little did I know at the time, his will was for me to actually become a pastor, which at the time, if he had told me directly, I would have run the other way. But God knew his plan for my life, 
And so I had to come to a place of truly having my own will and desire and emotion stripped away to hear what he was actually telling me in a way that I could receive it and follow and obey. And so this is how we have to approach the Lord, not bringing our own biases or opinion, but coming truly open before him to go wherever direction he would send us. So that's the second thing about God's will. We cannot impose our own will upon him. And now the third. God's will is for our ultimate good. God's will is for our ultimate good. Paul tells us here that God's will is good, perfect, and pleasing. So here we can think of the time in Israel's history when they were languishing in captivity in Babylon. And then through the prophet Jeremiah, God spoke to them these incredible words of hope. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, we all love Jeremiah 29.11, but we, have, we must never forget the context of this verse, that for God's good plan to be fulfilled, there were more than a few unexpected twists and turns along the way for the nation of Israel. And so it is for us. And so therefore, we must always remember that we walk by faith, not by sight. Because sometimes when things look like they're going really, really bad, just like it did for Israel in captivity, just when it looks like things are going really bad, they couldn't possibly be going worse, it could actually be that right then, God is working about something very, very good that we just can't see quite yet. In 1945, a young associate pastor by the name of Cliff Barrows married his fiancée, Billy. They had very little money, but had scraped and, and saved just enough to buy two train tickets to travel to a nearby city to stay at a nice hotel for their wedding night. But right out of the gate, it just seemed like things kept going from bad to worse. Because when they arrived at the hotel, they were told that the hotel was no longer a hotel. It had actually been turned into a rehab center and was no longer available for overnight guests. And so there they were, stranded in an unfamiliar city with very little money. So they tried to thumb a ride. No one picked them up until finally a sympathetic driver saw it was late, it was dark, he stopped to pick them up. And when he heard about their situation, that this was in fact their wedding night, he took them to a grocery store nearby owned by a woman that he knew. She was sympathetic to their plight, and so she let them stay in a vacant room above the store, above her grocery store, where it was there those newlyweds spent their wedding night together. The next day, when the lady overheard Cliff playing gospel songs on his trombone, she arranged for them to go and stay with a Christian friend, with a much nicer place for them to spend the remaining days of their honeymoon. And so during that week, their host invited them to attend a youth rally at a nearby Christian conference center. Well, it just so happened that the regular song leader was ill that night. And so learning that Cliff was quite a good musician, he was asked if he might take charge of leading the worship music for the service that evening. So Cliff agreed, he led the music, and then he sat down to listen to a young evangelist who stepped up to the mic and preached the sermon. That young evangelist's name was Billy Graham. They immediately struck up a friendship upon their introduction, 
And within a few years, Cliff Barrows became the director of music for Billy Graham's Evangelistic Crusades. And they proceeded to partner together for the next 50 years in ministry, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus by song and by word throughout the world to untold millions of people. So we see here in this story that when it seems that your plans aren't quite working out the way you had planned them, and things just seem to be going from bad to worse, maybe it could be that God has something better in mind for a little later on in your story. So keep trusting, keep praying, and keep walking by faith one step at a time. Because just as God worked in Cliff Barrow's life to bring about an incredible result he could have never imagined, so too he is working in each one of our lives to bring about his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But now we come to the final point. And that is that God's will, though it is good, though it is perfect, and though it is pleasing, it is not always without pain. As 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19 tells us explicitly. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Now this is a very loaded verse. To actually say those who suffer according to God's will. This is directly telling us there are times when our suffering is according to God's will. Now, the wider context of this passage is Peter writing to Christians who are being actively persecuted for their faith in Christ. And so what this verse is telling us is that sometimes even the persecution and suffering of God's children is according to his will for us. Not because God wants to see us suffer, but because he has something greater and more glorious plan to bring about through our suffering than in protecting us from our suffering. To understand this, we need look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ and his suffering on our behalf. There is a fable told that once upon a time, in the heart of an ancient kingdom, there was a beautiful garden. And there the master of the garden would walk in the cool of the day. Of all the plants of the garden, the most beautiful and most beloved was a noble bamboo. Year after year, the bamboo grew yet more noble and gracious, conscious of his master's love and watchful delight. Now one day the master drew near to contemplate his bamboo with eyes of curious expectancy. And bamboo in passion of adoration bowed his great head to the ground in loving greeting. The master spoke, Bamboo, bamboo, I would use you. Bamboo flung his head to the sky in delight and pride. The day of days had come, the day for which he had been made the day to which he had been growing hour by hour, the day in which he would find his completion and his destiny. He would be used by his master. And so his voice came low. Master, I am ready. Use me however you will. Bamboo, the master's voice was grave. I would have to take you and cut you down. A trembling of great horror shook Bamboo. Cut me down? Me, whom you, master, have made the most beautiful in all the garden, cut me down? Oh, not that, not that. Use me for the joy. Use me for the glory. Oh, master, anything but to cut me down. Beloved bamboo, 
The master's voice grew graver still. If I do not cut you down, I cannot use you. The garden grew still. Wind held its breath, and bamboo slowly bent his proud and glorious head down. There was but a whisper. Master, if you cannot use me other than to cut me down, then do your will and cut. Bamboo, beloved bamboo, I would cut your leaves and branches from you also. Master, spare me. Cut me down and lay my beauty in the dust, but would you have to take from me my leaves and branches also? Bamboo, if I do not cut them away, I cannot use you. Bamboo shivered in terrible expectancy and whispered low, Then master, cut away. Bamboo, bamboo, I would yet split you in two and cut out your heart. For if I cut not so, I cannot use you. And then bamboo bowed to the ground, Master, master, then cut and split. And so the master of the garden took bamboo and cut him down and hacked off his branches, and stripped off his leaves, and split him in two, and cut out his heart. And lifting him gently, the master carried bamboo to where there was a spring of fresh sparkling water in the midst of his dry fields. Then putting one end of the broken bamboo in the spring, and the other end into the water channel in the field, the master gently laid down his beloved bamboo. And the spring sang welcome, and the clear, sparkling waters raced joyously down the channel of bamboo's split body into the waiting fields, bringing life. And so the rice was planted, and the days went by, and the shoots grew, and the harvest came, and the people were fed. And in that day, bamboo, once so glorious in his stately beauty, was yet more glorious in his brokenness and humility. For in his beauty, he was life abundant, but in his brokenness, he became a channel of abundant life, nourishing his master's world. And just as it was for our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had to pray, yet not my will, but thine be done. And so his body was broken and his blood was shed and he brought life to the world It was a costly prayer for Jesus to say, yet not my will, but thine be done. And so too, it can be a very costly prayer for us as well to pray, yet not my will, but thine be done. But we can rest assured that though following God's will, no matter what, can, yes, lead us through sorrow and suffering and brokenness, we can trust in his goodness and rest assured that no matter the cost may be personally for us today, That when we bask in the glow of our Father's eternal glory and we see his perfect will unfolded through all time and eternity that we got to play a humble part in, it will have all been worth it and more. That we did nothing less than know the will of God, live the will of God, and refuse to settle for anything less. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your good, pleasing, and perfect will. We thank you, Lord, that your sovereign will cannot be thwarted in any way, shape, or form. That the things that you have declared will come to pass simply will come to pass. And we thank you for that. And further, Lord, as we think of your prescriptive will, and we we are aware, humbly aware, that 
you have given us the ability to defy it because you have given us free will. May we recognize, Lord, that your prescribed will for our lives is good, perfect, and what is very best for us. And so give us the hearts of obedience that would follow your will as you prescribe it to us because we know it is for our good. And further, Lord, we know that as we follow your prescribed will for our lives, that it is from that place that you will lead us one step at a time, one turn at a time into your good, pleasing, and perfect will for each one of our lives personally. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone listening today who is at this point of decision where there's something looming before them and they don't know which way to go. They don't know what your will is, but they want to know. But perhaps this morning, Lord, they recognize that they've not been walking closely with you. They've been neglecting their relationship with you. And it is there that you want them to begin. Before giving any answer on which way to turn, you want them to begin with you by receiving your mercy, responding to it by offering themselves as a living sacrifice to you, by rejecting and no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, but instead being transformed by renewing their minds by your word and in your spirit and in prayer. So Father, I pray that you would give just that appetite, that desire to grow closer to you, to reforge that first love and to walk closely with you and from that place, You will, one step at a time, reveal your will, your perfect will, and direct our steps accordingly. And so give us the grace, grant us the faith to follow. Because your will, Father, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his smiling face towards you and give you his peace both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.